Welcome to Winning the Game of Life. Known as Jungle Man at the poker table, Dan Cates has gone from being the bag boy at McDonald's with no friends and a dead-end future to winning over $11 million in online poker, over $7 million in live tournaments, and is a World Series of Poker champion. He has found fame, fortune, been to incredible places all over the globe, and connected with some amazing people. It looks like Dan has won the game of life, but that is not the way he sees it. Dan sees winning as doing his part to help everyone in the world win. He knows he can't do it alone, though. He knows it's going to take a collective effort with anyone that wants to see the same thing. Join us each week as Dan starts the conversation to do just that. On the show, Dan will interview incredible individuals that have made the impossible possible. Those that have won the game of life and those that want to help others win as well. Hit subscribe and follow Dan's journey on Instagram at TheDanCates. Let's explore anyone and anything that can help make this world a better place. Increasing the odds of us all winning the game of life. And now, here's your host, Dan Cates. All right, what's up, guys? Today I've got uh, a special guest who was former top three in StarCraft in the world at some point. The first, no, or second, I believe, second uh, professional video game player in StarCraft um, and prof- second professional gamer uh, and now turned top one of the top high stakes professional poker or professional tournament players and he's also won quite a bit of money for me in fitness bets that I want to reclaim Elky what's going on hey Dan very good to be here how are you I'm, I'm, uh, I'm it's my honor to be here for your podcast and I'm uh, lo- really looking forward to it thank you thanks well it's an honor to have you uh, tell us a bit about your uh, gaming career, because I imagine in South Korea, especially, the competition's super fierce. I've oh, heard man, some stories. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy tough, actually. It, it, um, I always love to play video games, actually, because uh, the older brother is like 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And when I was three years old, he got a computer and my sister didn't want to play with him. So he was like bashing on me for so many years. And it was pretty unfair, right, because I had no chance to win for up to 10 years. <laughs> And then when um, I always love to play games, and then when internet came out and we, you were able to uh, compete against players everywhere in the world, I just loved it so much. So after like um, after high school, uh, I just decided that I wanted to give it a shot. I was I just realized that uh, there were people like living making a living of it in South Korea, and you had to be in South Korea at the time, and it was really tough. But it was something that I felt like. I need to take a shot because it's a dream when you're like 18, you know, and you know you can like make a living playing video games. It's like uh, it's a dream life. So uh, I just tried for a few years and I went all in. I stopped studying. I just played video games and practiced like probably like 12, 14 hours a day, like non-stop. 14 non-stop. hours a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was just, that, sounds... my, that was just my life. I just loved it, you know, and uh, so I uh, like uh, I used to go to this internet cafe in Paris and um, because we were sponsored and the internet was better and because back then like you need if you had bad internet it's harder to play right and now oh, internet yeah, is sure. pretty good everywhere but so i used to go there and i was just like sleep sleep there and like sleep on the on the chair and play like non non-stop pretty <laughs> it much must have like given you a nickname or something or no that was crazy and sometimes actually we were like so we were sleeping there was like internet cafe and we were sleeping on the chair because it was pretty comfortable 
But one of the owners, he didn't want us to sleep on the chair, so we had to hide in the closet to sleep. And when we were like oh. two of us, it was not the most comfortable, <laughs> not the most comfortable <laughs> thing. <laughs> but these were crazy days, yeah. So eventually, I managed to um, to qualify for some tournaments in South Korea, and then. Uh, the producer of like uh, there, it was really big, right? So there was like uh, cable channels that are dedicated to like StarCraft. So they wanted to invite me um, for the show. Actually, it kind of helps that I was a foreigner because they, <laughs> because two things actually. So because it's like kind of like an exotic flavor from Korean. Mm -hmm. Also Korean, they like to show up foreigners because they show that they're the best in the world. <laughs> you know, because if it's only Korean, mostly all the best in the world, they're Koreans, right? But sometimes they need to invite foreigners. So that was helpful and I was, the first big tournament I uh, qualified, uh, I managed to uh, get second place. So I only lost to a uh, boxer that I'm sure you heard of, Lim Yo-Wan. Uh, Who? Lim Yo-Wan, his ID is a Slayer's boxer. He's playing poker now, actually. Oh, really? Uh, so I only lost to him, but back in the days, he basically like didn't lose to anybody for two years. So it was like... In StarCraft. Really, in StarCraft, yeah. So That's it was like intense. a crazy achievement. Like, he was so famous back then, like, totally crazy that, uh, you know, Koreans, they need to go to the like, uh, military service yeah. for like 26 months. And he really needed to go, but he was so popular that they actually made a special like StarCraft team for the Air Force. So he joined, the, he joined the military and they just made a special StarCraft team for him to still be able to compete because otherwise there would have been like too much uh, national uproar. So that was like oh, really? really insane. Wow, yeah. how do you do that? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah StarCraft, was, StarCraft was totally crazy in Korea. Those were like really uh, great days. And like even the popularity, like I had no idea. Like one day we... I think a few months after we got in there, there was like a big event and they asked us to play games for the pre-show, right? In the stadium and there were 20,000 people. And we just, after the event ended, we just went to take the subway home because it's usually faster because of traffic. So we went to take the subway home and then some guys, they recognized us and they basically like cornered us and we had to sign autograph for like two and a half hours, like for basically the 20,000 people who came to the stadium. That was really sick. Wow. <laughs> Those were really great days. So yeah. funny for like a video game to be to attain superstar status at uh, through a video game. Yeah, I, there was like a lot of factors for Korea to be the number one at the time, you know, like um, they didn't have that much, I uh, uh, think they didn't, it became so popular because uh, internet was growing, was growing much faster there. And also like uh, they didn't have uh, much space. So people like, it became a cultural phenomenon because like, everybody with their friends, they would just hang out in internet cafe instead of like go play like, I don't know, like football or baseball or sports after after like uh, studying, they all hang out in internet cafe and they all play StarCraft. So it was like, it was like the most popular thing. Like when you go to, when you go anywhere, like in a in a bar or, and you ask all the girls, they play StarCraft actually, they have a special race, they have their race. You tell them you play StarCraft and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a, there's like three races, right? They're like Terran, Protoss and Zerg and everybody knows about it and everybody <laughs> played it. And it was like, it was really crazy. Yeah. That's so funny. Who would think? Who would thought that would be the topic to talk about with? And girls? it's totally crazy too because when you go back to Europe, sometimes I would go back to Europe and people ask me what I'm doing. And back in the early 2000s, they're like, I am a professional like video game player, and they're like, What are you talking about? Like, this doesn't exist <laughs> now. Nowadays, it's much more common, right? There are a few of them, but 20 years ago, it was just like. <laughs> Yeah, it uh, sounds very tough. I understood there were like proper boot camps that you had to compete with. Like you had to compete with actual uh, schools, like like the equivalent of military schools, but there were StarCraft schools. Yeah, yeah, there was like basically like the team. So it was really professional and there are teams where like 
most of the people, we got lucky because we were able to like live in an apartment and go to the practice center every day. But so most of the Korean the team, they had to live in the practice center. So they live in the office, they like maybe like 10, 12 <laughs> people living there and they, and they practice like all the time. And you know, Korean society, they're like, basically if somebody is like older than you or ranked higher than you, you cannot really, you cannot have to like <laughs> do as they dictate. So some of the older pro gamers, if they want to practice for a specific game, uh, they just ask the practice partner, they can wake them up at like 2 or 3 a.m. and tell him like, hey, you need to practice with me until I don't want to practice with you anymore. And they're just like, <laughs> wow. it can be pretty rough. Like uh, it's extremely competitive uh, society. Yeah, but so we loved it at the time. So it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like a struggle because we just loved it so much. Uh, so how did you manage to compete with them? Like, was there anything that set you apart between the people that were like, I, mean, I guess if someone's forced to play, they're, they're generally not going to do as well as the person who really wants to play for the same amount of time. Yeah, I think they all they all want to play, but sometimes they're forced to play a specific, uh, you know, like the games, uh, there's like matchups, there's matchups and special maps. So when you know, like, uh, like, you know, in advance, some of the schedule, they say, I know uh, next week I will play against this player on this map. So I mm -hmm. know which matchup and which map. So I need to practice like pretty specific. And um, I think I was always good at adapting. I was never the fastest with the keyboard and mouse, but I was, uh, I was, pretty creative and uh, good at uh, adapting to, to my opponent and design specific, uh, specific specific strategies to to beat them. I was good at preparing, I guess, which is really important skill for the for this high stakes game, because if you just play like a random player on a random map, uh, it was obviously still really good, but not as good as uh, preparing against specific opponents. Oh, really? Okay. Then did you use any of that for poker? Uh, because uh, and also, actually, what I was good, sorry, what I was good about is the uh, ability to uh, to handle pressure and be good under pressure. And is this crazy skill, actually. I didn't even know it was a skill back then, but like when I go to compete and you're in a stadium and there's like 20,000 people, there's so much pressure at stake. And a lot of the Koreans, they actually, they actually choke pretty hard. Like some of the guys, let's say really? we play in practice games, they, maybe they win 60% of the game against me in practice, but on TV, they, they maybe they win like 20% because they just lose all their uh, capabilities. And like, I think it helps a lot with uh, poker as well because staying staying calm and focused and being able to handle pressure is really like an important skill set. Right? It's, it's, not only, it's not only how, how great is your A game, it's like how long can you play it and how long can you play it under difficult circumstances. And I think that's something you're really good at as well, right? Apparently, I didn't realize it was that much of like a thing. I thought it was something you could just practice and and it goes away over time. I mean, at least for me, like I've played like countless hours of poker, and I and you have too. And uh, uh, like I don't know, I don't even focus so much about like being on TV. Like it doesn't feel like yeah. even the same as being in front of like uh, you know less people that are watching, but they're like right in front of you, which is really nerve wracking. By the way, I don't know if you've ever done that if you've ever played in front of like a large audience yeah, yeah i played in a stadium where like and it was really tough too because uh most of the time i played against koreans and koreans they, i mean if i played against like a boxer for example like every time i make a slight mistake or he does something good they're all cheering for him uh, so every time you make so it, annoying so it's like twenty thousand people and every time <laughs> you make a slight mistake they're all cheering against you and it's like uh it can be really tough yeah Oh, yeah. I, I will say that it was annoying when um, the other team would, like, cheer for the other guy for, like, some stupid thing when I was playing in front of, uh, in, in the, I don't know what it's called, like, the battle zone or whatever it's called, of yeah. uh, uh, poker for the tournament, so I that can only imagine. That was for the WSOP, the 50K yeah. championship. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for yours, I imagine it's way more annoying, especially if you play fast. Yeah, yeah, it's really crazy because it's real-time strategy, right? So if you just like, 
you skip like a few seconds, you're like way behind because uh, there was these things that are called like action per minute. And um, the top Koreans, they were now probably now they're like at 400. Back back at my peak, I was probably Jeez. at like 240. It's like the click per mouse and keyboard per minute. So what? you miss like so it means like four action per four action per second average. But there's peak time when you're fighting when you do more, right? So yeah, yeah. It's extremely important to be fast, and that's uh, one of the important skill set as well. That's why like a lot of the Korean uh, pro gamers they retire where they are they are, they can retire at like 26 or 27 because mm -hmm. they restart. It's kind of it's kind of sick actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You can get carpal tunnel or whatever. Um, were you able to compete even though you uh, well were you competing or winning against a lot of people that or with high frequency against people who were uh, clicking at. 400 actions uh, yeah you can still you can still you can still compete and win i mean there's also different uh, races which require higher the one my race was not requiring as high but uh, basically if you like um if you have a much better strategy you're still gonna you don't need like it's uh after you reach a specific amount and high amount already like the you can implement most of the strategies right and the higher thing uh, the higher apm between between 100 to 200 for example it's a, it's a huge gap but between 200 to, 400, to 300 or 400, it's not as much of a gap because you can, you can, um, uh, how do you say it? You can basically like uh, play your strategy as you want. It doesn't stop you from most of the things that your strategy does want to do. So it's, uh, so I was still able to compete here, yeah, fortunately. Okay. I think they made it better for StarCraft 2 actually. StarCraft 1 was really rough because it is, it's a really old game, right? So a lot of the process, they're not automated. So you have to do everything manually oh, and geez. a lot of the, a lot of these, they are not like really a strategic action. It's just like upkeep, you know, sending workers to minerals and things like producing units and things like this. Yeah, <laughs> it's rough. Well, how did you switch from that to poker? It seems like quite a big switch. Uh, my first, I have a few thoughts. First one is the poker, the pressure for poker seems like it's not nearly as rough, except that now there's real money on the line. And you don't know what the other person has. It seems like quite a different game, but it's also way slower. Yeah, it's way slower, but actually, it's not that different because StarCraft is also a game of uh, I don't know if you ever played, but it's also a game of incomplete information because uh, you have your like your units and your uh, and your building, and basically you only see whatever you know. There's a map and there's a fog of war, so you never see exact and the entirety of what your opponent is doing, except like the very very beginning of the game when you start. So you kind of have to extrapolate. And uh, there's also a lot of mind games because you don't know, like, uh, from what you see, you have to extrapolate what is most likely strategy is going to be, and then you can uh, be ready to react whatever whatever it does. And it's a little bit like poker, right? Whenever like um, you never see what your opponent's hand, but you see you see his betting patterns and what he likes what he likes to do in general, how he likes to play hands, and depending of the line that he takes, you can just narrow down his range of hands. And in StarCraft, it's a bit similar. Like there's different build orders that you can use. And um, when you scout your opponent and you see he's doing something, you can narrow down like um, because like uh, you can narrow down the tech path that he's gonna take and like mm -hmm. the co unit combination. Basically, it's about like uh, expansion and like man resource management and like the unit combination that the army that he's gonna build, right? And um, sure, I can some see. of the time, some of the time, it's not you cannot switch from one army to the other. It takes it takes time because you can see the building and the tech path, and so you can uh, anticipate and. Um, anticipated by scouting and that's like a really important skill to be like adapting to your opponent and be ready for whatever he's, uh, he's doing. Yeah, I was just thinking about this actually. Poker is really about more fundamentally about adapting than even playing optimally. Optimization of poker actually comes from both sides adapting to each other and then it reaches this conclusion of sorts. 
yeah, if that, for makes sure. sense, that makes sense. But I um I didn't play I did play StarCraft actually. Uh, I played Command and Conquer a lot, and I never thought of it that way. I guess these games are actually games of incomplete information. Um, and would you say it helped you a lot with how to learn how to play poker? Because I would think I could see some similarity also in uh, in you kind of have to protect your resources and things like that in poker, or you have to protect parts of your range. I guess you could call that similar to protecting yeah, your resources. Yeah, it does. It did help me a lot with like basically like the thought pattern and then just thinking in like a like uh how do you call it like uh in trees you know like let's say if my opponent does it in starcraft uh, he's gonna be able to do this or that and i'm gonna adapt i'm gonna like try to be one step ahead of him and it's kind of the same in poker like sometimes it's like people feel like they're thinking for no like they don't think the law of the play, regular players they just think their hand they see their hand now nowadays i mean obviously everybody's much better but when i started playing poker mm -hmm. they just see their hand the flop and they're just like make a decision and they don't really have a plan for the hand like depending on what the turn which turn they're gonna power on which which uh, river they're gonna like how they're gonna play the hand depending of the possible uh, cards that will come out right i mean now mm -hmm. now the game has changed a lot and everybody is like so much better and uh, uh so much better especially as like theory but uh, back in the days like uh, i think that's what helped me a lot when i started playing poker the adaptability aspect and it was like that was way more important that nobody knew what theory, even <laughs> even the good theory was at, at the time right yeah, so yeah. that was uh, adaptability, and in StarCraft is also uh, super important, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, I have a couple other questions. Um, so were there a bunch of StarCraft players that tried poker? Did they have much success, or were you, like, more of the exception to that rule? Uh, yeah, a lot of them, they played poker, and they became pretty successful. Actually, we all, oh, really? we all kind of uh, started together at a, at a similar time because um, uh, StarCraft was so... Uh, so difficult and so competitive there could only be like maybe 20 30 people in the world we can make a living of it so when you have this skill and they translate to poker and poker back in the days you know i started in like late 2003 it was just like i had no idea what i was doing and i was still winning <laughs> i was still winning so <laughs> like when you have like those like uh, work ethics for stock from starcraft and you can put in a lot of hours and like also like what helped a lot is that uh the uh, hand-eye coordination in StarCraft is enables me to play a lot of tables really fast, so you can get a lot of experience, a lot of skill just by like playing more tables. You can play like 10, 20 tables, and you see so many, so many situations uh, incoming, and you get so much experience that it's really hard to match if you play like live poker and you play like you play like 30 hands and 30 hands an hour. You will have to play like probably like uh, 40 times more, right, to get the same amount of experience. So it's like if you play 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day, you get so much experience for that. And I think it helps a lot of StarCraft players. So a lot of them, they became uh, really uh, success successful poker players, actually, because um, hmm. okay, because it was also like a career, career path. It, was, it makes a lot more sense because StarCraft was so difficult. Yeah, yeah. And it's so tough to make a living out of it. And at the time, you also had to live in Korea. So a lot of them, they so kind so of like... It's a bunch of... Yeah, yeah. So a lot of them, uh, they were like, oh, I'm able, to, I'm able to stay at home in the US. I can uh, make so much more money playing poker. Basically, like poker, you just have to find players which are worse than you. Well, in StarCraft, you have to be the best in the world to to really uh, uh, make money and be a professional, right? I think it's like the same in uh, most of the sport and competition. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's extremely difficult to be, to make money as like a top athlete or top competitor in all sorts of fields in chess and... And uh, I know you have to be like top 100 in tennis and like God knows what you have to be in basketball. You have to also be like 6'4 at least and like whatever else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, poker is unique in that many people, like you don't exactly have to be 
uh, or a lot of people can theoretically make money if their pool is wide enough anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, from poker, if they can make like decent money, they don't. It's, but it's much the, more, the, like, thing the, the thing that was rough was the variance actually, because back in StarCraft, you know, like when you lose, like there's a little bit amount of variance, but not much. Like if there's if I'm much better than the other opponent, maybe I win eighty percent of the time. But in poker, the variance is so high, and the, the beginning is kind of frustrating when you when you play well and then you get all in, and then you feel like, oh, why did I lose? I uh, feel yeah, like but it, it, it builds resilience. Yeah, though. it did you, build resilience. It helped me a lot actually, and it helps like mentally because I. Because before, like you know, I feel I can feel a little bit entitled, but playing so many hours of poker, it help it helps you with like life resilience and like knowing that I mean nothing is really fair in in life, right? I mean we are a really lucky spot, anyways, but uh, we shouldn't be entitled to anything. Or when in StarCraft, it's like if you if you lose, it's pretty much your fault. You could always find a way to get better, and you don't really have to blame anyone. And in poker, it's like it's also like, you have to be pretty honest with yourself sometimes it's so easy to say like to say that uh, you lose and you're just unlucky i mean it might be might be true but then that's not how you improve right so it's oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it teaches really good life skills i think poker oh i think in poker uh it's harder to be honest with yourselves when it's, it's starcraft yeah, it's, hard. it's, it's like, hard yeah, yeah meant... starcraft that's why i think that's why people can't play in starcraft tournaments right because if we play starcraft and i beat you like Ten times in a row, then you're gonna stop. Bet you're gonna stop betting. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're gonna realize that you can't win, and then you're gonna stop betting. Whereas in poker, it's like once in a while you get lucky and you win. And when you win, you think you're good. You think you're the best, and when you lose, you're unlucky. And it's it's hard to see the truth, especially because uh, you don't need to play nearly enough hands, and you need to have like modernization. I mean, a lot of the time it's true that when you when you win, you played good in some hands, and when you lose, you usually kind of unlucky. But then there's much more to it than that. But Conceptualizing the situation is quite be can be difficult for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I do personally suspect that poker is a really good tool to discover the tool, the truth. Because like, if you can't, I mean, you're gonna lose money for sure. Like, yeah, if, yeah. if you can't act on it at least. But it takes a, it can take a long time to find the truth. That's what I'm saying. In oh, StarCraft, yeah. the truth is pretty obvious. When you're getting crushed ten times in a row, it's like fuck, I have no chance to win. Like some of the time, you really have no fucking chance to win if somebody is much better than you. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. if if we play now against the top pros, we ne we will never win one in a hundred games ever. Uh, but we know after a few games, you're just gonna realize that you're throwing dead. <laughs> it's like, but in poker, it can be take a lo lot longer time to uh, actually uh, realize the truth. And uh, and if you're not really honest with yourself, and there's like a lot of different factors, it's easy to uh, to get blinded. So it's uh, it's a really good life tool, I think, poker as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, have some ideas with that, but we'll put those to the side. Um, so I, I find it to be a good sign, actually, that other there are plenty of StarCraft players that trans that transfer their skills from uh, StarCraft to poker. I mean, I understand you're also you're a bit of an outlier that you're su very successful at both, um, but it's promising because it suggests that, um, well, it suggests firstly that uh, that a kind of a unique group of people can actually win at poker, whereas like previously, there's in life uh, previous to like this current age. Um, a lot of people with like nerdy kind of skills, like to be good at video games and stuff like that, uh, they had limited options, let's put it that way. But now things have been changing really rapidly and they can. And not only that, but some of the skills are transferable from StarCraft to poker. So that's really good too. Um, or it suggests that it's not proven. I mean, also as a Command and Conquer player, I, uh, many, a few different of my friends did succeed at poker. It wasn't like that common, but it was like a pretty competitive, um, uh, what is it? Real time strategy game. And I can think of at least 
at least one other person that became professional from, no, two other people at least, but it wasn't like super common. Um, yeah, so it's it's promising that certain skills are transferable. I guess it's kind of implied through a lot of people going from like, even from other sports, well, poker's a game, but uh, like soccer to like, I don't know, something else, tennis to soccer, like things like that. There's a decent amount of like those examples. But anyway. Yeah, and if, I think anything that's really competitive and that make people like, uh, people who love competition, they really enjoy poker because it's extremely competitive and you really have to bring out the best version of yourself whenever yeah. you're out there playing poker. You can't just like, but the beauty about Oli too is like, I mean, it's great for people who are really competitive, but it's also great just to have fun with some friends and gamble and like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, uh, we have to be honest, and then like the most of the player who play poker, they can play just for fun, right? It's like if you have a like, especially nowadays, it's extremely tough, and like it's great to play poker for fun, but you should not expect to to just like quit your job and play poker and make a living. It's really, it's really really difficult as well. Yeah, uh, it it that is true. It does it it requires a bit of um, how do you say? It requires a lot of freedom, and you have to like get to the point where you start making like real money. Um, so tell me, are there any other of your skills, uh, from gaming transferable to poker and how'd you get used to like playing a lot slower? Uh, playing slower was tough at the beginning. When I first played the live events, it was like really, really difficult. I was like, what am I doing here? Like I'm playing like 20 hands an hour. Cause I started online, right? And then I played live events and I was like, oh, I'm playing 20 hands an hour. <laughs> it looks so, it looks unoptimized. I don't even know how much the stack is. When you play online, you know, you have all the, day, all the stack. The first time I played live, I was like. I don't even know how much this guy has and how much is in the pot. Everything takes forever. What am I doing? <laughs> but then I love the competition so much. And there's, there's something about the live event, you know, like about the, I don't know, like playing live that's different, like winning the chips and the atmosphere and the social thing, which I enjoyed a lot. It's and more... Uh, winning deep in a tournament, you know, like there's this kind of pressure in the atmosphere and it's really exciting. So I loved it so much that I was able to adapt, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seemed like your love of the game uh, pushed through, like the ne- the the difficulty of of uh, adjusting to the slow pacedness of yeah. the game, and you, it sounded like you also learned to enjoy certain aspects of live poker that are more uh, feeling oriented. Yeah. I would say, yeah. like such as you know the feeling you get to be on the final table, and there's all this like stuff going on. It's pretty and... exciting. It's pretty exciting actually. It's pretty different, right? How about how about you? You also started playing online, right? Um. I did, yeah, and it was really a challenge for me to get get used to the slow. Aspect how many years? How many years did you, did you play online before you made the transition to playing more live, or did you kind of start like playing online and quickly playing live and a mix of both? Or I think one or two years, something like that, because Black Friday happened uh, maybe like two to three before, and then Black Friday happened, and I had to play in Las Vegas in the casinos. I had to like figure out like proper ring ranges and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it took me. A how minute. did you adapt? How did you, how did you adapt to it? Uh, what what uh, helped you like adapt? Like maybe because some of the uh, audience they they also playing a lot of online and like adapting live is not always easy, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, knowing for me knowing the ranges to play helped me a lot, but everyone's different because some people get really bored and their discipline caves a bit. Uh, I'm a little different because. I, Maybe you would be a better example, but I'll, I'll explain for me. I, I'm a little different because if I know what the answer is, then uh, typically, at least in poker and at least for money, I just like can't really justify doing something bad. If oh. it's like on the cusp, it's like super close, then yeah, I'll be like, whatever, I'll play looser. 
but it will be like a pip difference. And then a lot of the pre-flop ranges are pretty close anyway. So maybe I'll like air a little bit on the loose side, like really barely. Um, and it kind of depends. Like sometimes I'll give action, but I have to like make the choice to do it. Uh, I work a little differently. How about you? How do you get used to adapting to live? Yeah, yeah, it was tough. I mean, that was just like the willingness to compete, especially because I played more like uh, tournaments and uh, basically like uh, back in the days and even now, I mean, the biggest live tournaments they're kind of online, uh, kind of live, sorry. Like back then, like uh, the WSOP main event, when I started playing, I think one of the biggest tournaments online, they were like 500 are buying, right? And you can play live for like 10,000. So it's just so much more at stake that oh, I felt like I have, I have to, if, if you want to, it's like the money, but it's also like the competition, like the best players, they're always going to, you know, like when I started, the, my idols, they were like Negri Anu and Ivy and all these guys, they, they didn't even play, they didn't even play uh, online. Online, it was kind of like, remember when we came up and uh, all these guys, they were saying like, oh yeah, these like online pros, they don't really know how to play the game of poker. But now it's kind of the, op now it's kind of the opposite. It's like those live pros. But when I started coming up live, like people, they had this like uh, bias towards online player because they thought online was not really like true poker. But yeah, it, this that, bias, yeah. it kind of made sense because bigger, the biggest, uh, um, the biggest everything, I mean, Tournaments, the biggest MTTs, but also the biggest cash games, they were like live, right? So if you want to compete sure. against the best, that's kind of what uh, helped me. Like I wanted to compete against the best and play the biggest tournament. And it was all live at the time. So that's what really uh, helped me to make the transition. I'm like, sure. if I want to, if I love this game so much and I want to compete with the best, I have no choice. I have to play live, so I, I have just, to adapt, right? I guess it's just deciding what you want in some kind of way seems to be really key. Maybe ma mapping out like the different pathways of one's life. Uh, might be helpful for the people um, to decide because you could say like, okay, if I'm going to play live, I got to like deal with this and uh, I've got to like make sure I don't play too many hands because it's slow as shit. Um, but, or I could just keep playing online and play fast and have my luxury or whatever. Also, I mean, I, this is just a hypothetical possibility. To yeah. Help I mean, people. like there's like some players who like pretty much never play live, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of them. There's all sorts of people. Um, and, uh, yeah, is there anything specific that you did to make sure to keep yourself disciplined or to make sure you didn't give off, give off tells or pick up tells? Anything uh, specific? Actually, not that much. Uh, maybe I'll give up tells. I was never that good at reading tells. I mean, I'm just, love, it is pretty subconscious, like just being there and like, it's more like I try to be uh, present and being focusing on what's the action going on mm -hmm. and try to become, but I never really did uh, anything specific. But I never had a problem with like discipline because I was able to handle pressure well and I knew I wanted to win. And as, as you said, you know, when you know uh, what the right move is and when you want to win, you can't really justify like doing something that's like out of this, uh, like too far away from the right move if you want to win, like otherwise you just want gamble, to yeah. gamble and go play <laughs> go play some casino games, which is really fun too, but I mean like. Or uh, or possibly um, if you, if you, uh, you're disciplined in cave in a different kind of way for the sake of uh, pleasure. Yeah, as yeah, we've uh, yeah. found out, at least as I found out, I've struggled with that one specifically. Uh, but um, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, in what other ways did uh, gaming or poker help you with other areas of your life, or did it? Uh, uh, poker helped a lot because I think one of the most, I mean, the fact that it humbled me a little bit, you know, when you're young and successful, you're kind of like, <laughs> you're not always, uh, you can be a little bit arrogant because I had everything pretty early. And then like, uh, yeah. knowing that even if I, I mean, this is basically like nothing, um, 
anything can happen uh, at any moment, right? Knowing that at the poker table and and uh, and life is not especially fair, and you kind of have to deal with it. That helps a lot, and also. Hmm. I, mean, uh, I thought of that. Yeah, I guess it does humble you in that kind of way. Because you're not gonna win all the time, right? Like even if you're like the best in poker, you're not gonna win. Most of the tournament, you're actually gonna lose by far, right? Even if you're the best player in the world, so it sure. humbled me. And also, um, the fact about uh, what helped a lot as well is just thinking in terms of uh, process, you know. And if I'm and not be result oriented, I think that's one of the big thing. And that's a oh, lot yeah, of people yeah. who don't play poker, they really struggle with it. They struggle. Oh yeah. They struggle with the result. They're like, you should have done this. I'm like, I shouldn't have done this. It's like it doesn't matter what the result is, but it helps you like bring the calmness to your life too because I know that if I done my best there's some kind of variance in life as well and if I've done my best the outcome is not good it it gives you like more clarity to just question like if you really did your best and if your thought process was well and don't really bother about the outcome because it's not in your control but in poker it's just so clear right if you just play great and you get unlucky it just happens and you cannot blame yourself yeah yeah um there's a there's actually a, there's an important parallel I want to talk about in a second, but yeah, I do think that people really do not are very very results oriented in life. Uh, yeah, they, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy when yeah, you when you, nuts. When you see them. <laughs> it's like shit. Like uh, it's almost frustrating. There's all sorts of fields where people um, like uh, in investing and things like that where people are super super results oriented, like um, in investing in hedge funds and uh, and all sorts of businesses. I mean, are some obvious ways. I think in a lot of social dynamics, it's really there a lot, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, although people tend to be a bit more friendly and open in certain social settings. But this is a different subject, and it's my own personal experience. As someone who's uh, struggled, particularly when I was younger with social experience, I had to like break it down analytically. Um, but I think people... There's a lot of, uh, how do you say, confirmation bias going on yeah, yeah, and, for like, sure. within like friends groups and things like that and life. And I think life has a shitload of variants, but that's also what makes it interesting because as you can see with these games, these closed games, um, the more closed and solved the game is, the less, um, how do you say, the less... Uh, the less clear the truth is. And there's more like exploration possible when the truth is not as uh not as not as clear there if that makes sense you kind of gave me this idea as we were talking about um starcraft and uh chess because that's why poker is a game is because the truth is hidden and now there's yeah. like now uh you know there's all kinds of possible errors to make and there's all kinds of possible uh routes to take as well um and in life you just like I mean, there's infinite possibilities, really, if you think yeah, about life it. Yeah, life is so complex, and there's, like, the knowledge you, you, we can get is just, like, barely, like, explains anything which happens in life, right? So it's which, yeah. what makes it, like, super uh, interesting and exciting. But uh, but I can relate with you. Sometimes it's tough when you have, like, when you have, like, no result-oriented in your process and you try to explain it to people, and they really... <laughs> it's hard to explain to that's them good. that it doesn't matter what happened, right? Because in, in poker, that's true if you make a decision and who cares what the board or river is but in life they get I guess they you also like a lot of the situations in life they don't happen nearly as uh, often enough right so when you make a big decision and then they get they get uh, emotional towards it because they don't make big decisions so many times in life so they're like oh I regret doing this but if it was the best decision you made at the time then there's no need to to regret your decision, just outcome is not in your control. And like poker helps a lot with that. And like 
I mean, in life, eventually, like so many of the outcomes, they're not really uh, in our control, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, I want to touch on so- a couple things. Uh, it's totally true. And also, there's one subtle thing about the uh, this this uh, this thing was. I mean, I'm still kind of trying to get used to it in life. Is this should have mentality? Is if you like make a play, say in poker, and you should have done something else, meaning it was a better play. It's really kind of um, it was like impossible to have made that play, uh, even knowing like the future version of yourself would say you should have done something else. If this makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I should. I'm kind of thinking about a lot of it nowadays, like because. I don't know what you thought about about free will, but basically, like whenever you make an action at the time, it feels like you're not you're responsible for the action, but you couldn't really have made it another way. So there's no point in just like arguing that you should have been make it differently, right? Well, yeah, and like you, the information that you had at the time and wherever your focus yeah. was is, was not really changeable. Uh, it's like it's a subject in spirituality, actually, and also as it turns out. Both science and spirituality agree that the best course of action is actually to forgive yourself and not beat yourself up too much, uh, even though there's a should have. Which yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, if it, also like if something changed in the past, it possibly couldn't have changed, but then we wouldn't be like everything would have changed, right? How do you call it? Like butterfly effect or something. If like something happened differently, we wouldn't be like talking here where we are today, right? Everything would have been different in the world. So the current state of the world that it is now, it just reflects. Everything which happened in the past, so you can't really like. There's no point to even like thinking, yeah. thinking about changing it because we were talking about this in another high stakes game the other the other day. Um, oh, I want to ask you about uh, the fitness stuff. Did the okay? Uh, let's do it. All right. So I know you fought MMA. Uh, had a couple of MMA challenges, which I think would have some relevance to poker. But also, we had a. Actually, MMA, you know that was crazy? Uh, fuck, that's like, actually, that's the first time in life. I mean, I got wrecked and I was going to lose anyways, probably, but I actually was really bad under pressure. Like the physical, uh, I don't know, the physical thing, it helped a lot. It's so, so different because I thought, because I, when I was practicing and sparring, I was doing decent. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in the actual fight, I, I did, I way underperformed uh, my, really? my practice, uh, my practice skill, right? And I was huh. like really shocked because like in StarCraft, I was always like be able to compete next to top, Close to my uh, best level and poker as well, as well. But this physical thing, I don't know. One, it's just like something different. Oh, something different. When you get hit and when you like feel like you're in de- uh, physical danger, like... physical danger is actually it's actually quite different and it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I mean I've been like hit in the face before. I mean it was like kind of stunning. I don't know if that's maybe there's a way to get over that. I don't know. Uh, it was just uh, I, I I remember it was a very different feeling. Um, it's different feelings than getting bad beat on the river. It can be also stunning when you lose a, when you just out of the tournament from like out of nowhere with like being like ninety percent chance to win. But it's very different when you get stunned like by a physical hit, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, did um, did any of the poker or gaming help with the fitness stuff with playing with MMA and also against in our challenge, which I, I lost. Uh, I mean, I it was kind of. Um, it was my careless mistake. I mean, this one was one of those should-have things. I was, <laughs> was. <laughs> but you couldn't do it any different at the time. But yeah, that was super close, anyways. Yeah, yeah, we had a super close fitness match. Mm, I think it helps. Like the mindset helps, but uh, the mindset and the fact that 
the discipline that you need to be a good poker player and to be a pretty much to be excelling at any kind of uh, high level competition, any kind of sports or game. If you want to be like like really high level, you need to have a lot of discipline and you need to uh, to know it's about consistency and you need to put a lot of hours. And that kind of mindset is, mindset it helps with the it helps with the fitness uh, for sure because you know it's about consistency. But some of the time it's still difficult, right? There's just so many like so many different factors in social life and you like to eat this kind of food as well. I like to eat this kind of food oh, yeah, and then like your friends are like, you want to meet your friends and spend time with your friend and you go dinner and the food is there in front uh, of you and you're like, you're like, yeah, you're like, fuck, I know, I know I shouldn't do it, but one bite is not going to kill me. And then it's like 10 bites later and you're getting 10 <laughs> kilos. It's like pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty rough actually. Yeah. Uh, there's also some uh, gray area ones or ones that were like on the fringe and I found it later. Oh shit, they're not that healthy. Uh, like those plantain yeah. chips from also like the, yeah Pope. I mean like the information already like nutrition science is pretty difficult like it's very uh, unclear right because there's so many confounding factors and then you can't have like randomized control trials and you can't just like have a group of people eating the same thing for four years and other group of people eating the same thing in their life for four years you can't control what people do with their life for such a long period of time yeah and, and there's a lot of things different from you yeah, too. yeah there's a lot of things like. And also, like personally, it can be you can have different enzymes and everything. So it's pretty, it's pretty complex. It's like super complex topic. So first, you can't even get the full knowledge. Like nobody really knows what's the best because it depends of everybody and it depends of confounding factors, right? Like some of these diet. Like if you do this diet, but then you work out, of course you're gonna feel so much better than if you do the same diet and don't work out, right? And sleep well and like everything is kind of interconnected. So it's very, it's very difficult to know what the, what even the truth and the knowledge is and then like applying it is even harder. So it's a, it can be really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I found nutrition science to be a little bit annoying, although I think I have a rough idea and, it's, and it varies a lot based on people's metabolism and stuff. Like some people are actually really ripped. Uh, and they eat whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they, <laughs> they can. It can vary a lot. You should do. Actually, I was uh, uh, I was reading this David Sinclair book and his podcast, and he was mentioning these things that you can do, like those blood glucose monitor, you know, for diabetic people. And mm-hmm. uh, he was saying uh, basically, glucose is one of the high glucose in your blood is not good, but the food that that spikes your blood glucose is different for everyone. So you should wear those glucose monitor and just try to eat one food and see how it, how it affects your blood glucose. Well, that's actually a great idea. And yeah. then it's like, I'm going to do it when I, when I get, uh, when I leave Las Vegas, I think. Yeah, so you can adapt, some... you can see like different food, how it affects your blood glucose level because none of the food is really bad by itself. What's usually bad is just eating too much or too much of a combo or something, right? But I mean, we also mm. need to eat food. So like, and uh, yeah, the dosage is what's important, right? If you eat like, a little bit of uh, one food. It, even even like if you eat spinach, or it can be toxic for you. If you eat too much of it, you can actually die. I, sure, I sure. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I may have to try that myself. Uh, do, would you like to talk about our challenge that we had previously um, with the fitness stuff? It wasn't just nutrition, but it was actually sure. primarily a fitness yeah. thing. But n- nutrition was a big part of it. Um, one of the we had three bets. One was to get under twelve percent body body fat. We both had to do it, and it we both failed. Actually, we had four bets, right? Oh uh, uh, wait, um, four bets. Yeah, four bets. One was who could hold a plank the longest. Uh, what else? Uh, who can who do the can, most push up? The uh, most push ups without without like uh, touching the floor or like. Yeah, and who could do the most of an incline run? And because of our body 
because our bodies are a bit differently, that we had different kind of advantages on different ones. Yeah, we tried. We tried to. I mean, I knew you had an advantage in uh, in push-ups, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a handicap, but even with a handicap, I was not even close, nearly close to beating you. I mean, how many yeah. did you do? Like you did 130. That's 170. 170. That's like super fucking impressive. I think I did like. 52 and I had plus 15 percent handicap, so it was not even like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like. Close. 170 is. Yeah, but I was like fucking impressive. Yeah. I was pulling out all this stuff. I was like on my side and. and yeah, 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 but I mean, even <laughs> then, even not, you would have done like 140. It was not close. Any, it was not close anyways, right? How many did you do without like starting to struggle? Like 120. Like 70 or 70? something, 80, and then I started. There was like some point when I was practicing. When it it was as if I like couldn't stop, I could just like lean on my side or something, and then I'd be recovered, and I'd just do some more. I forget what the number was until I had to start doing all that nonsense, but uh, that really pushed me very far. I just like was able to keep going for a long time. Oh, sick. And then the plank was weird. I like uh, we both seemed to come out of nowhere and do like fifteen minutes plus. I uh, was really I think I figured out I had no chance at some point during the plank. When I was seeing you, because I was just I practiced, super... I practiced a lot. Yeah, actually, I did like, uh, I did like up to twenty minutes, and then I got kind of tired of it. <laughs> I got kind of tired of it, but I could have done a little bit more. I did, I did twenty minutes like in practice by myself. But oh. when we, when we have like, you know, when we actually have the challenge, it's just so much more motivation. Because I think a lot of the plank is 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 much more mental than physical. I mean, obviously, you, you need to have some basic physical. Uh, fitness but it's a lot of about mental but right? i think that's why we we're both good at it right because it's yeah. like not mental and when we look at each other that was pretty fun like, that's pretty uh oh, yeah we did the plank with, yeah, we we're both facing plank each other. and we we're facing each other <laughs> and then we we never want to give up right like if if we're facing each other and for a bed and like the, you're gonna go so much longer than if you just do it at home by yourself i think right yeah we push each other much much harder in competition than i mean we both we all beat all of our scores i think uh, when we were in uh, competition rather yeah, than sure. in person, and especially the incline run, uh, I mean, I that was the longest I ever held a plank was uh, 17 minutes plus, um, and then the incline run. Uh, How much do you plank? I need we need to do something again because uh, now if I plank like three minutes, I'm dying. I should. Uh, How about yeah. you? I need to uh, train again. Uh, well, it's just I'm... it's crazy how like your body adapts really fast, but then yeah. if you. Stop doing it. It also like de-adapts. I don't know what the, how you call it, but it just, yeah, yeah. you just like lose it pretty fast as well, right? I I don't think. I, yeah, I'm sure I could hold it, but it wouldn't be fun. Um, I wouldn't necessarily focus on. I decided I wouldn't focus on like overall aesthetics yeah. and things like that, which yeah, is quite it's kind of complicated. Prank is a pretty annoying exercise. Actually, <laughs> it's like the, brutal, it's like brutal yeah. because it's really repetitive and yeah. It's, there there are more fun ways of doing the abs exercises as I discovered. Um, and there's quite some strategy to uh, building your body as well. It's uh, but it's like a longer term strategy. Um, I think that that the game of that it can be gamified to some degree, but I'm like not that good at it. Uh, like real like professional fitness models do it. But the the last one that came down really down to the wire was the incline run thing. That was the most tired I've ever been. I think or one of the closest when I was racing against you in that incline run yeah we had to do one mile so we had to do one mile at six percent incline and then basically we started together at the same time and then whoever finished the mile first uh one right yeah then... i think we both ran close to a six minute incline mile and let me tell you a six minute incline mile is much tougher than a flat mile uh yeah I it's think... really fucking rough it was i was dying i was dying really hard and you, you started really fast much faster than i thought and i was like feel like i had to keep, I had to keep up and i would like i had to start much faster than i, I I plan on doing it too because on the practice you can see 
your heart rate and have some kind of strategy for the mind to go as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And I started so much faster than I, uh, than I had to, as though I was gonna, as though I was gonna die too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I uh, was dying towards the end, but we uh, what ended up happening was I uh, we both it, I was point two uh, I think mile no point two kilometers. Uh, ahead for the last uh, stretch, but I thought that we, mine was supposed to end at 1.6. Uh, ours was supposed to end at 1.6, but we actually started at 0.1. We took we took like a walk. Through yeah, 0.1. because our trainer he, he said the treadmill, so we can start at the same time that they're already running, uh, already running, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I like I forgot that we started at 0.1, so I was dying, and I ended at 1.6. Uh, yeah, because it was like in kilometer thing, so it's like 1.6. So we had to do 1.7, but you thought it was 1.6. I kind of sucked out. It was like super. It was like super fucking close. Yeah, and then uh, Elky won it for uh, two bitcoins. Two bitcoins were worth more at the time, but uh, but yeah. it was actually it was crazy too still... because when we made the bet, we 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 made the bets. I think the bitcoin were pretty low. It was like eight k or something. Yeah, it went to eight k, and then we were when we were actually competing, it was, it was like forty like k. Yeah, or it was like fifty k. I think yeah, we, we, uh, <laughs> because we took so long to <laughs> to set out everything. But uh, yeah, yeah, and it was two bitcoin each for each bet, so we could have potentially if you scoop. Yeah, we, we could have scooped eight bitcoin if you do everything. Would have been really something if one of us scooped eight bitcoins. But yeah, there may be a competition in the future. Um, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. I think, like, I mean, I understand that we should be healthy because it's much better for us. But sometimes yeah. we're kind of stupid, and if we don't have like some kind of in- financial incentive, it's harder to do a lot of these things, right? Well, Which yeah, makes no sense because we should be smart enough to do it for no, our own good. But it, it does make sense. Uh, I mean, there's many parallels to the real world. Just um, the the element of competition makes things uh, is a much more compelling uh, incentive than. Oh, be healthy! Like who? Yeah, competition who cares, helps for sure. Competition right? helps for sure. Yeah. And now there's like some attachment of glory to it if you win. And this is kind of how capitalism works. Actually, this is the reason why capitalism works is because um, people now compete. There's something to compete for. It's like capitalism is like largely a good thing for these reasons. It's just uh, if there's some kind of way to align capitalism with altruistic. Things. I mean, that's a bigger t- subject, but that's yeah. Uh, competition it brings the best of you for sure. It's a very different setting. Like you can see if you compete against each other, we're always gonna like go harder and push ourselves harder than if we just like uh, just do it right. And yeah, it's like, yeah. It's it's um. I don't know if it like. I mean, it makes sense in nature, but it feels like there's some kind of way to align uh, align the selfish interests and the altruistic interests. Um, I mean, that's a. To do it in a bunch of real-world situations is complicated, but at least for these purposes, to get healthy, we're like kind of strategizing against our own nature to benefit both of us. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's the goal. That's definitely the goal. The goal is to just like have a, incent- a common incentive for both of us. It's not even like to beat each other, but just to say like the next bet that we want to do is just basically some things that we want to achieve, and then the goal is both to achieve it. Right? It's not yeah. even like to beat each other, but to make sure we achieve our goal and. Having some kind of competition and some kind of accountability in these bets is what's what's important and what's helping as well because mm-hmm. otherwise it can be hard. Like you know, it's hard to delay instant gratification and eating something that you want to eat. For yeah. example, for me, it tastes good and it feels good. And like, how you're gonna look in six months if you don't eat every day? It's just such a distant idea sometimes that it's just oh, like, that would be a good <laughs> idea for like an app to like see if you don't have these yeah. foods, subtract them, and you're working out four four to five times or six times or seven times. 
week and to change like little things. Yeah. There must be like someone making an app like that. It's such a good I mean, idea. When your, when your mind is clear, it's kind of easy to, but when you're busy and when you're just like stressed for other situation and there's just so many different factors and your decision making, it kind of like uh, not as not as good. Why right? if you didn't sleep as well, if you didn't like, I don't know, if you get stressed with other, some, some stupid things and then you're more likely to uh, not Oh yeah, yeah. Not take the uh, into consideration what would happen down the road, like a few months from now. You, a lot of time, you don't really care. <laughs> you just want to do something now, right? Like oh, for sure. de- like delaying your desires is, can be difficult sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not one hundred percent bad though for a couple reasons because it's not good to push oneself too hard in the short term. To push oneself too hard in the short term is not good. You want to push yourself a little bit hard. Um, like continuously so that it's sustainable that you can keep progressing uh but uh like having some kind of extra incentive to not eat bad food yeah that's like reasonable is very helpful um or to work out or whatever in fact uh we also agreed to ascribe penalties to eating junk food uh each time I after uh, after like two there are two two servings a uh, two servings a week right well that was what we mostly did I uh, I believe I wanted four servings while I was gaining muscle uh, I was trying to gain because I that was the good thing about gaining is that you don't need to um, it's not as like uh, what's the word it's not as fragile it's, it's, it's not as tri- restrictive restrictive the diet right you can yeah, be a little yeah. bit more as long as you have good protein intake you can be a little bit loser loser with the total amount of calories and yeah yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, another thing is that it's not as fragile of a situation as like when you have to cut because you can mess it up in all sorts of ways. Uh, but that was also another added incentive to like strategically incentivize us to, uh, to become healthier. Yeah. To become healthier and stay. I mean, it's all about consistency actually, right? That's why we need to, uh, do it like most of the time. Like it's really about consistency a lot as, uh, as we saw, like, you know, when we're practicing plank every day, like. When I, before the challenge, I was doing it for like six minutes, and it was like so. He, I was like I barely struggled. And now, like sometimes I do it three, four minutes. It's it's rough actually. When you your body, they really like change really fast. If you stop doing something and if you stop practicing it, you can you can lose it fairly fast. That's kind of the annoying fit, fit um, thing about fitness actually, because if you learn a if you learn a skill and you have a certain poker level and skills, uh, you don't play for six months. I mean, everybody gets better, but you, you you don't play for six months, you're probably really close to what the skill you had before, right? But if you had a certain fitness level and you do nothing for six months, you're gonna lose a lot of the of the fitness that you level that you that you gain, right? I think you can uh, gain it back fast. I understand. Uh, gain it back fast, but still like take some time. Like you can yeah. see, like the thing that's why also those athletes love these athletes. As as soon as they stop their careers, they like blow up and they get pretty out of shape and they get like much yeah. bigger because the things they keep the same diet, but instead of training like six or eight hours a day, they train like a couple hours a day, and it makes a makes a big difference. Huh. Okay. Well, anything else uh, you'd like to add, Elki? Uh, uh, no, I'm good, Dan. So thank you, thank you so much for inviting me, and yeah, uh, yeah, that was a great that was a great show. Oh. And I'm looking forward to our bets, and we will we will be posting. We will um, let people know that we will find some agreement to, and also like to be accountable. We will post it on like everything weekly on the social media or something like that, right? All right. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, keep everyone updated on uh, any other challenges or things like that. We'll do. Thank you for having me, Dan. Yeah, no problem. And great for having. I mean, I'm to be, to be more clear. I'm happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Winning the Game of Life. 
Tune in next week for another great episode. Of course, hit subscribe and follow Dan on Instagram at the Dan Cates. 